0: Welcome back, everybody, to No Story Left Behind, number 17. This week, I was joined over Zoom with Josh and Steve, and Josh's buddy from the Army National Guard, Dustin, was kind enough to join us. And I just want to make a quick note. The political views expressed at the end of this episode do not represent No Story Left Behind, Rules of the Arena, or Blind Ninja Studios. That said, I hope you enjoy this episode. It was a lot of fun. I'm glad to finally have Josh and Steve on together. Please enjoy. Right there. perfect well dustin thanks for taking the time to be on the show finally <laughs> it's a time, yeah, thanks for having power, me but finally got it fucking running here <laughs> so let's i want to so start at the beginning uh where'd you grow up where are you from
1: so i was actually born in fairbanks alaska um lived there till i was four and then we moved out to michigan and then at 12, I moved to Idaho, right? I say I grew up in Idaho because I figured my teen years is where I really grow up. Everything else is just following orders and listening to my parents. Um, and then in 2005, I picked up and moved to Wisconsin. And then I've just slowly been migrating back west since then. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you stop in Minnesota? It's
0: like the worst state in the union.
1: <laughs> I know, right? It's where my wife is, is from and grew up, so... <laughs>
0: So what was, I mean, what was life like for you? You're moving around, you know, from all over the place, really. You've lived damn near half the world at this point.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, My dad always, you know, my dad believed in moving where work was. Like, if you could find a better opportunity somewhere, don't sit and stay. So we moved a lot because of that. But um, honestly, I grew up Mormon. Um, So my life was a little different. Um, Yeah, my mom... Did you know what? Did you go do a ministry or whatever they call that? A mission? No, no, mission. I wasn't a good. I was not a good Mormon kid at all. <laughs> Mormon. <laughs> I was, I was. Um, but my mom was really strict in that. So our lives were pretty strict. Like I don't, I mean, yeah, I had my first kiss when I was young, but like, I didn't really date or anything. I followed all the rules. I, I went to the church dances and all that kind of stuff. Um, I was good in that sense, but i always rebelled against it. Um, put on Adderall at a young age. So that was good. <laughs> Been drugged my whole life. You know, was that
0: a private school then? Or were you going to the public schools?
1: No, I went, I went to the public schools, which I think had a, a huge influence on my behaviors to the point where once I reached high school, my mom decided she wanted to try homeschooling me, <laughs> um, and that did not go well. Out. It turned out
2: <laughs> they, they usually go the other way. Like they homeschool <laughs> right. you when you're younger yeah. in high school. They're like, "All right, yeah. have at it." Not <laughs> yeah, it not
1: it, the other it, way it turned <laughs> it yeah, it, it turned into me just teaching myself everything because they she went to this thing that's called American Homeschool, and she would. So they'd send books, and I'd have to go through them, and then I'd send in the tests and the results, and all that. And I mean, it was a good program, but she didn't know what to do to teach me any of that stuff. So, so I mean, yeah.
0: How, so, how did was it all through high school, or did eventually your mom throw in the towel and go, "This kid's impossible"?
1: So I did that until I was 15, and then I just started working full time. <laughs> Um, I did construction and traveled around a lot with that. Um, one of my friends from the church owned his construction company and needed some help, so he took me on. Um, sure. and then I just ended up getting my GED. Sure. In order to get into the army. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> when did you start thinking you wanted to go into the army?
1: <laughs> uh, like two days before I joined. <laughs> in, so a in real long. 2006. Thought out. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It was a long, out process. Actually, no, it was very spur of the moment.
0: So <laughs> pretty, why why the army? Why not you know something like the you know I've heard the praises of the Air Force on the last episode and
1: I mean look yeah looking looking back I'd probably go Air Force almost um uh, to be honest with you it was the closest thing that was available um I googled it and there was a recruiter right down the road so I went and talked to him. <laughs>
0: And this was, you said 2006, sorry.
1: Yep. Yep. 2006.
0: So, I mean, what's, how do your family react when you came home and said, Hey, by the way, I'm in the army now.
1: So I was actually kicked out of the house by then. Um, So it was kind of a, I didn't care what they thought here or there. Um, I'm the first one to ever join the military in my immediate family. I've got like some, my, my cousins did and stuff like that, but we weren't really close to them. Um, So they were kind of Whatever it didn't really mean much to them. They didn't really understand it.
0: And so, I mean, what's going through your mind? I mean, you know, two day decision and
1: boom, here it is. So, it was one of those things. I I was twenty when I joined, so I had been out drinking stuff like that. And you always talk to people. <laughs> And everybody talks about being in fights and fighting and how they know exactly what they're going to do. Like I know if somebody were to come in and try to kill me or do this to my family, I know without a doubt that I would I would do this to them. And and it got me thinking that night, obviously drunk, it got me thinking that how do how do you really know? How do you know if someone's going to kill you? If you think someone's going to kill you, that you could try to kill them yourself first and so like that. And that's when it just it just went into a downward spiral from there. And next thing I know, I was in the army.
0: <laughs> so I you... wanted
1: I wanted to know. <sighs>
0: did you ship out right away for boot camp, or did the, was there, what's the, or how, what's the timeline?
1: So there there? this was back, I think I started looking at like in June and then I failed my first drug test with them. Um, cannabis, of course, everybody does it, but, uh, on record, no, but, um, and then I still hadn't had my GED by then. So I actually went and used them to get my GED and you know, all that kind of stuff. And then I think I shipped out in February of 2007 So it was, it was pretty quick
0: for the, for getting a GED is there, there's, I imagine the recruiter has the pipeline set up for that. So it was pretty uh, smooth transition for you or I mean, walk, what was that like? Is there somebody listening, you know, that maybe they want, they don't have their GED yet, but they want to join the military.
1: Yep. I literally just went in there and yeah, they, they called, I think it was uh, Wisconsin Indian head technical college in Rice Lake is things where I got it. Um, she basically just said, meet me at the armory at this time and day, and we're going to go take it. So that's what I I didn't really study or anything for it. Um, I didn't think it was too hard. Um, but I mean, it was, as long as you got, like I said, I more or less quit school after sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you're what 16 at that time. So fast forward another four years without doing any real school, it wasn't. You know too bad.
0: So So when you left for February for boot boot camp? Basic. Basic. Yep. Yep. Work. Basic training. Yep. I'm gonna yep. get this straight one day, I swear. <laughs> 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 I <doubt it. laughs> anyway, so where they so that'd be Fort Benning for
1: Yep, our- I went to Benning's Benning's School for Boys. <laughs> Uh, 11 Bravo. 11 <laughs> yeah.
0: Bravo. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's Wouldn't happen like any other way. I mean, you moved all over the country, so, I mean, was it a tough transition, or was it just another day in the life for you going down to Georgia? Nah,
1: it was just it – was, it was a culture shock for sure. Um, growing up Mormon, violence isn't really preached. You know, I had never been in a fist fight in my entire life, even – you know, up until after basic, I had a Memphis fight, but, uh, I'd always broken up fights, but never like violent in nature at all. And then this all happened. And it was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I like this. And then it just, yeah, I just, I enjoyed every minute of it, to be honest with you. I
0: mean, were you still acting out and, or acting up rather, uh, while you're down there? I mean, did your drill structures have to, yeah, you know, I want to say NCO justice, but
1: yeah, I fell asleep once on firewatch, um, woke everybody up. I had to sit there and watch everybody else get smoked. Um, but that was like the third time that night someone did it. So it wasn't anything new. Um, no, I wasn't, I kind of, I kept to myself unless I was sure that I knew something or I could do something. And then I spoke out. So I was kind of that middle, like the, the top of the middle when it comes to, you know, doing things. Like if I was, if I was confident, I could, I could do it. I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. Um, so they didn't really have to, to get on me too much. <laughs> and for you, I mean, what's, what's the, after
0: boot camp? it's AIT for, is there?
1: Yep. Yeah. You, I, I did just straight through.
0: Since all of you guys were 11 Bravo, is there individual AITs that you can choose from, or is it just 11 Bravo does no. a. Yes. Yeah,
1: yeah, so, well, there's, there's two types you can go. You can go split ops, which is you go to basic, you're like between your junior and senior year. Usually, and then you go to AIT after your senior year. Or what I did was OSET, one station unit train or whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, where I did everything at once. So I did basic training, got a like a two-day pass, and then went straight into AIT.
0: And so, what so, were you doing? Where what was AIT like then for you? Walk me
1: through. <laughs> Uh, that was just more specialized towards the infantry. Sure. Um, we got yelled a lot more stuff in the dirt more. We started to learn, like, urban ops, like basic urban ops. Um, hey, look, there's a swamp. Let's go sleep in it. Yay! Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um,
2: Don't fuck with the tortoises, though.
1: <laughs> oh, God. Right? What? <laughs> learn that the hard way. There's
2: a tortoise in, in Benning that uh, if you fuck with it, it's... It's a, it's like a fifty or a hundred thousand dollar fine. And we had it's like ridiculous. five dudes following around and the, the drill sergeants like, don't fuck with that thing, it's worth more than you are, and yeah, just <laughs> for that one. <laughs> for the oh, snake.
3: That's how it was it. for the fire ants. And that mm-hmm. goddamn
2: woodpecker too.
3: Goddamn woodpecker, damn. Yeah. <laughs> They're like the freaking stupid whippoorwills down at Fort McCoy there, man. I don't know if you get are oh, to- Jesus. We're at freaking Fort McCoy. Yeah. So you go to bed they at like 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, you're like, oh, great, I'll get two hours of sleep. Nope. That's like right when the whippoorwills are going, those guys just went to sleep? Let's fuck with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yep.
0: So after, That's funny. after AAT, where'd you go from
1: there? Um, I went back to green Bay. I was living in green Bay or just moved back to green Bay with some friends, um, to a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then just worked for a while until I reported to my unit, which was in Abbotsford, Wisconsin. Uh, I was in the, the recon platoon for the first four years of my career, um, my parents came down to see my graduation and drive me back, which was kind of cool, but they still, again, didn't really understand what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> so you started out... <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Josh. Yeah, I started out in the Scouts for four years. I was... God, for two years, three years, I fought for sniper school, but they just weren't sending anybody before the deployment, and then right after the deployment, they still weren't sending people. So, I mean, I was slotted and everything for this the spot there, and a promotion came up, so I left...
0: But was that was there a reason for the they did they have a excess of candidates or was it a funding issue with sniper school?
1: they're going to say it was a funding issue they're going to say it was everything and their things i just don't think they were really sending people mm-hmm. is what it was um yeah it was it was different it was weird because they had a lot of good candidates a lot of good guys that were ready to go and then it's like as soon as i left they started sending people left and right i was of like
2: <laughs> they prioritize certain units too i'm assuming you were guard yep you were your wisconsin yeah um yep. I was in a, I was in a mechanized unit. I was the only light brigade in a mechanized unit down in Bliss, and they wouldn't, they wouldn't send us to shit, Ranger school, yep. airborne, sniper, none of that. They always, <laughs> they always prioritize.
3: 101 and 82nd
2: before everyone else, and oh, 173rd. Yeah,
3: first so. ID gets a lot of the freaking the first infantry to the first ID. Um, what's the unit out in Hawaii? They'll get they'll get priority. 25th,
2: 25th yeah, maybe two.
3: Yeah,
2: they'll get I tried like three times to go to Ranger school and eventually just gave up. Yep, <laughs> so
3: I you would get you know, the guard will get is a slot. I think they're allotted a certain amount of them, but. Half the problem is, is that freaking half the guys they send, three-quarter of the guys that they send down there to go to ranger school don't meet. They get there and, you know, they wash out within the first couple of weeks, you know. And I guess the the, the the five-miler is the one that usually freaking gets most everybody. That land nav, which you would think, you know land is rough land, nav, land nav is like you, know, you can pretty pretty much do it I, I get the running part you know but land nav, you think everybody but yeah land nav gets a lot of people but whatever we're getting off into the weeds again
0: uh, you No, know, that's fine i, I mean we I always agree. do <laughs> We're not on Casey's time, so you can't yell at me today. Yeah, right. <laughs> but what, what's so what? I think you've talked to this before, Josh, but what is the lab, land nav course? Because I keep seeing jokes and stories about LTs getting lost on it for 18 hours or longer. <laughs> oh, oh,
3: lieutenants, lieutenants. Just, Steve, you weren't an officer, were you? No, I wasn't. Okay, thank God. Lieutenants <laughs> are fucking. All right. They're, they're just, you know, they're basically kids coming right out of basic training. They go to OCS, and they come out. They don't, yeah, they're still relatively young in the in the process. So I mean it's you know they're wet behind the ears. So you got to mm-hmm. freaking kind of, you know, help them along. You know, well, it's the same thing as a private, you know. They're just coming out of, out of school. You don't you don't know anything when you're a private. You know, so everybody That's why you're a private. You know, everybody treats so. they
2: they're basically privates with authority and ego. Yep, yeah. <laughs> I've I've gone into I, I got into a screaming match with my uh, with my LT uh, in Carson when we were at NTC, and that was yeah. For about five minutes after that, I was telling my squad, I'm like, "Well, you uh, you're gonna have a new squad leader tomorrow because <laughs> my ass is getting fucking fired."
3: Some of the good ones will listen. The bad ones think they know everything, and the really bad ones won't listen because they think they know everything yeah, right. already. Yeah.
2: that one actually surprised me he came back later and was like yeah I was in the wrong and we <laughs> shook hands and that was the end of it
0: yeah, been,
2: that's, that's, so- that's not common with officers
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've been reading some books by various retired officers and generals and such and, and uh, seems like the good ones will lean on their NCOs when they're new to the unit and then you have ones like on episode 16 with Chad last week who Chad got into a shouting match after his LT fresh out of West Point got their whole convoy lost in a combat zone. Mm. (laughs) You
1: know, that's that's how they get promoted, though.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a joke. I, I think I told you about my LT in Afghanistan, Gordon. Who uh, I believe so. Uh, his idea of a mission brief was saying a prayer and then yeah. walking out of the wire. We're like, that's cool, but like, what the fuck are we doing? And uh, yeah, he got fired Dude. after uh, he got caught with his own personal Glock on deployment. And uh, oh, the next Lord. time I. Yeah, the next, well, he actually, he got turned in uh, because one of our NCOs saw him and was like, this fucker's going to get someone killed and this is a good opportunity to get rid of him. So he got fired and then I saw him like three months later and he'd made captain so yeah they they get promoted for doing dumb shit
3: uh, well making captain is automatic so yeah. for officers you'll you'll get all the way up to captain but then if you get a dmp or if they get a DNP they won't make it past captain yeah. Where, yeah where
0: is captain on the on the o scale so oh one is lieutenant three so O three. But uh, bring it back to you, uh, Dustin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you go off was on the good. a lot here. So, That's you, fine. so you said you, you got a promotion and then gave up on trying to get into the sniper school. What, what's your rank at that point?
1: Uh, so I was an E4 when I left the scouts and took my, or, you know, specialist. And I took my promotion E5 or sergeant in Alpha Company, which is a Menominee. <laughs> Um, I think that's where I first met first sergeant. He's first sergeant to me, Josh. Um, I think that's where I first met him. Was there? Um, I think you were platoon sergeant at the time. Toon daddy at that point in time. Yeah, yep. So I took it there because it's it was more money. It was a chance to advance my career. Um, there was always the opportunity to go back to the scouts if I wanted to. Um, but I, I I fell in love with Alpha. I mean, that was a really good company. We had a lot of fun. Um, I was still really young, really wet behind the ears when it comes to the leadership roles. And I was very,
0: how many years in the military at this point,
1: I have 14 years. Well, I mean, right during, now. when you,
0: when you oh, came over to alpha
1: Four. Four. Uh, four years, Yeah, four years. So I was, I was, I moved up pretty quick. Um, and it, it kind of bit me in the butt as time went on. <laughs> um, still a little immature at that point. So it anyway. was, it was a my way or my way or no way kind of deal for a while. And you're about, you know, what, 25, 26 at this point? 24. Well, this was, I should probably back up, too. This was after my first deployment, by the way. I kind of missed a big part right. out of that. Um, yeah, this was after my first deployment, by the way, which made me even more mad that they weren't sending people to sniper school. Sure. Where was on the your best... first deployment, too? I went to Iraq. I was in Baghdad. Okay. Uh, same place as Josh there. We but were, he was, yeah. You were on where were you? Where I was on the VBC. Yeah, we, we were, were big, like a. We
3: were over we there really training those freaking idiot Iraqi correction officers. We got handed an MP mission.
1: That's right. Yeah. Well, you guys did. I was still. Well, I kind of did too, but I was doing the PSD for. Yeah. Um, you got to do cool shit. We we were yeah. yeah.
3: Tough, tough future. We spent like. $38 million of the taxpayer dollars handed it over to the Iraqi, and as soon as they shut the doors and we were freaking popping smoke, they rat-bicked the fuck out of that place, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, did they ever. It was... It was yeah, a, yeah. Waste was some money. But, uh... Yeah. Yeah, we were... We were <sighs> so each company when we were at BBC on the 2009 2010 deployment um like everybody had their own kind of pad so Alpha Company was over here Bravo Company was over here I think that you guys were right down the road from us and Alpha Company yeah. you guys were hanging out what? with the ABC pukes
1: no I got I got I got detached to Delta for the deployment
3: you got detached to Delta so Delta wasn't even yeah they were not they were bouncing all over the place they had you guys yeah. running all the place. yeah Yeah, it was a horse shit deployment man it was a horse shit <laughs> It was no it was it was still fun was, i mean like i said I, like I gotta a, leave it was a lot like being on active duty and freaking being in a garrison environment yeah i mean there was like you'd go over to certain like you'd go over to cropper or, or whatever yeah not cropper i forget the name of it no <laughs> where all the officers... Was, I mean, there, there was, like, guys hiding yeah. in freaking doorways waiting for you to go by. And, you know, officers would jump out and go, oh, you didn't salute me, soldier. You know, oh, what the fuck are you doing?
2: That's how Kuwait was, too. It,
3: it was I mean, like, I fucking miserable. miserable. I mean, guys were... You had sergeant majors going around freaking sticking their fingers into their... into soldiers freaking, you know, to see if they were cuffed properly, you know?
1: We got... You're only supposed to have two fingers there, you know? We got put in formation and they made everybody hold up their hands so they could see our bracelets because we all had the paracord bracelets. Yeah. And they tried to make people cut them off because they weren't authorized. I had a lot more fun than you guys, though, because I actually left the wire on a regular basis. I mean, we were on call 24 hours a day for... It was uh, Command Sergeant Major Butler, Command Sergeant Major Ashford. They were complete dickheads. Um, you get yelled at if you had, like, dirt and sweat on your IBA and stuff like that. Um it's a so I prerequisite got to, for making Sar Major as being <laughs> yeah, a gigantic take yeah. ad. So, I mean, I actually got to leave the wire and and, and experience the cities, you know, Taji, and, and, and we went all over the place, the green zone. Um, so I actually got to experience some of the uh, different bases and stuff like that. I think we went to... Oh, God, what was that one way up north? Um, it was like an eight-hour drive, and they sent us up there for something, and that's when I hit... I fed a little girl. I thought it'd be nice to feed a little girl on the way back. And I threw some pop-tarts at her, just smacked her right in the face with them. <laughs> <laughs> like it happened in slow motion too. Cause we're driving and I was like, oh yeah, I could probably throw these a little early and get them to her. So I throw them out there and nope. It just keeps going and smacks her and her mom <laughs> kind of laughs at her and, oh yeah, I had a, uh... Sergeant Dill was my team leader. And then he turned to my spot. You remember Sergeant Dill. Uh, good dude. Really good dude. Really good dude. But he was, yeah, he was funny. He started laughing when that happened, but he walked in on me once. Um, yeah. Right after mission. Here's here. I'll give you guys a good story about how my Iraq deployment was. <laughs> we just gotten back from mission. None of my roommate, all my, both of my roommates were gone. So I booked it back to my, my chew, uh, my room. And I decided it was a good time to take care of some stress. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought so I, I locked the door. In. Right, right, right. I thought I locked the door, and apparently I didn't. So I am, and this is the weirdest time I've ever done this. last week like this, shoulders on the bed, planked out with my knees bent, like just going to town. Like everything's spread for the door. My team leader starting <laughs> to deal. First in the door. Step. I need to talk to. And of course, you're 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 faced with a, a a defining moment in your life. What do you do? Do you stop or do you keep going? Right? And I felt like if I stopped, it would just make it more awkward. <laughs> you know, like like I was ashamed of what I was doing, which I wasn't. So I just kind of kept going slow, and I was like, okay. And he's like, what the fuck? And he's like, come see me when I was like, okay. And then, you know, I, I took a little extra long to, to go see him just so we could kind of both forget what just happened, but that's, <laughs> well, you, never, you never forget something like that. <laughs> no, as, soon as you guys I looked at
3: each other in the eyes. It was right. <laughs>
1: some
2: things you can't unsee, bro. <laughs> yeah,
1: nope. Nope. So that's, that's <laughs> not Kurt, Kurt, right Dill, there. Dill is like one of the
3: most mild mannered, quiet guys you ever meet. You, you meet him and he's like, Hey, how's it going, man? What's going on? Oh, something really oh, bad! I, oh no, that's terrible! Oh, I heard this same story from his
1: perspective. I think he was a little bit more scarred than Steph here was, but <laughs> yeah. No, I've seen I've seen Daddy Dill pretty pissed off. I've been able to piss him off. <laughs> 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 oh yeah, great dude.
0: So, so what was your what's yeah. the what was your day to day job when you're over there? You said you're traveling around. You know, they yeah they've so i was
1: uh, personal security detail is what we were um basically if any of these higher ranking dudes wanted to go anywhere within iraq or within our area um we had to drive them if they couldn't fly they would ride with us and unfortunately these guys love to drive more than they love to fly so we we drove all the time um and then a couple times kind of like a, have you heard of the guardian angel program now I haven't. I don't know. Steven. In, in the Army? Josh. Um, okay. So i think of basically it was like secret service for these, these guys. Okay. It's the easiest way to explain it. Wherever they went, we went. Um, We didn't follow them into the rooms very often at this time, but we'd, like, stand outside the door sometimes, and there was a couple times we had to sit down on the meetings just to provide a little bit more security for them stuff like that, but that was what we did. Um, We jumped on to a couple prisoner transfers and stuff like that. Um, We did a prisoner release, which was really hard to watch and do, Um, but they were innocent, so... Just
0: escorting them out of, of the prison or whatever. And-
1: yeah, we, uh, we ended up, we had to pick them up from the prison, put them in some vehicles, and then escort these vehicles to the parade field, you know, the, the cross sabers, Um to there, and that's where we released them. And I think we handed them all, like, they handed them all a little bit of cash and everything. I was like, oh, <laughs> So yeah,
0: <laughs> we experienced quite a bit, Sure, but well, how long were you over there in that first deployment?
1: Uh, I think we were in country for about nine months, nine, 10 months, we um, phasing us back at like nine months. So I think the rest, of, once everybody was gone, it was so like it was in the 10 month area, but you yeah, um, know, yeah, yeah. Between Kuwait and I think, cause I think we were in Kuwait for like three or four, like three or four weeks before we even hit Iraq. I uh, seem like we we're in quite forever Yeah, at a uh, Buring. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. yep.
2: That, that place is a shithole. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> It what? still is. Oh,
2: it is. <laughs> I know I was there for, I was there for seven months in uh, 2015 and it fucking sucks.
1: I bet. <laughs> oh man.
2: Oh yeah, my They, God. they, God. and they, they issued us multi-cam before they sent us, so like got our hopes up, like, hey, we're going into Iraq, like, because this is when people, like, right after they were like, oh, we're out of Iraq, well, never mind, we're going back in. So, yeah. as soon as they issued us multi-cam, like, we're going, we're going to Iraq, we're going to Syria, we're doing something. Nope, we sat in Kuwait for <laughs> seven fucking <quarter> months.
4: <laughs> <laughs> to, to it was funny? No, I'm sad. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh,
0: Dustin, do you have much downtime? It sounds like you're moving all over the place.
1: Uh, yes, I mean. yes, and no. Um, we got, I mean, there were some s- not like set days off, but we'd find out like a day or two there's nothing going on. So we had some downtime. I think I watched like every season of scrubs while I was over there. <laughs> um, I did the gym a lot, um, played volleyball. <laughs> grilled steaks i'm making it sound like it was a, a cake it kind of was um yeah just had a lot of fun i mean with what we could we did a lot of like barbecues as a platoon and stuff like that um i think in june when we got there they did like a stand down for like the whole month so there's almost like a month where we were just bored out of our minds <laughs> um i think i went to i think I, w- I went to a crow school so common remote out operating weapon system um like the joysticks i went to that sure. school while i was over there i went to i think i went to the rg 33 mrap school while i was over there um they just because we had so much downtime for that point they put us through a couple of schools that they could
0: um, and is, is were you able to use that later on through your career or is it just no. I, I need something to do <laughs>
1: Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I know how to drive them and I know how to use it, but it's been so long. I mean, it's been 10, 10 years since I learned how to use this thing. And I've touched them a couple times since then. So it'll come back to me once they're using it. But no, it's just one of those things where it's good to have on my, my NCOER, my E4 EVAL at the time. Um, so I went.
0: So but, While you're over there, I mean, did you get a chance to keep in touch with any friends, family
1: back here? Yeah, we, Skype was a big thing at that point, um, and we all paid for internet. I was young and single. I mean, 22 years old, 23, 22, 23. Uh, so I was young and single. I had the money from the deployment, so I didn't care about paying for internet. So, that, so I had Facebook and, and Skype, and I Skyped people a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so and come back i mean well while you're over there i mean i know the uso does quite a few tours yep. and i i think it was baghdad is it baghdad or um, baghdad, yeah yeah they have that big i've seen a lot of uh bands go over and do shows and such like that i mean did you get a chance to do anything like that or were you
1: yeah i saw friend? first we saw craig morgan and chris young um, we got lucky for that one. We missed so many shows because we were all gone, but I got lucky to see Craig Morgan and Chris Young do a acoustic show, which was absolutely incredible. Um, Craig Morgan's an old Ranger, so he was excited to be there. And then Chris Young's just a cool dude, um, amazing voices. And then I got to see uh, Carlos Mencia, <laughs> Jesse James, and Kid Rock all did a show one day. Um, I remember. I remember that was That was before Jesse James got big. And I actually, I made her blush um as as you will so obviously you've heard of how girls Did get your too. out of her too? <laughs> yes. no um, not quite not quite um but uh so obviously you've heard of uh like a, a beauty queen for a year or something like that queen for a year or deployment hot <laughs> So girls you don't see a lot of girls over there. And the ones you do aren't necessarily the best looking. And this sounds really sexist. But uh, Jesse James was like the first really good looking girl I'd seen in a while. So she sang a couple songs and everybody clapped and got quiet. And there was kind of a a break for a second. And she asked the crowd if we wanted to hear her sing some more songs. And before anybody started clapping or anybody started yelling, I said, nope, just stand there and let us look at you. And then people kind of started clapping, but then it went silent for a minute because everybody kind of heard what happened. They, they heard what they heard. <laughs> and she kind of just blushed and she stood there for a second. And then she's like, all right, we're going to sing some more songs. Um, <laughs> but that was my mouth getting me in trouble again,
4: which
1: <laughs> happens all the time. So those were those were the only real shows we saw. Everybody else got to see some more just because they were there a lot. But with our schedule, we were got we a little bit more. So what do you oh, – Yeah. <laughs>
3: Knowing what I know about the two thousand nine two thousand ten deployment, when you guys came back, when you redeployed back, did you go through anything? Because I mean, you kind of had a different experience. So, I mean, no, we,
1: we we got pretty when you, lucky when it comes to like. Were you good com- when you came back, or? Um, for the, for the most part, I mean, there was a couple times over there that made me really, and you know, like I got into, I guess what you could call a Mexican standoff with the Iraqi army. Um, yeah, we were trying to. Yeah, no, we were, (laughs) we were trying to leave the green zone and they were trying to come in and I believe they had like the Iraqi president with them is what we were hearing over the radio. And every time we kept trying to inch forward to leave, this dude was like, turn his turd on me and start yelling at me. Like, you know, you stop, you wait, you don't drive past us. And so as soon as he turned, I turned and we're both kind of sitting there staring at each other. We, I mean, we weren't like drawn on each other yet. We were both up in the air and I was one step away from that. It, it pretty much was. Uh, we actually at one point pointed because we would, and, and I'll be honest with you, we would have gotten completely fucked. We would have been so fucked up. They had, they had, I think a tank with them. Uh, they had several Humvees and then they had RPKs, AKs and Dragunovs literally just lining the streets on the way back. They could have thrown a baseball back to our base faster than we could have driven it because there were that, that many people protecting this convoy. Um, and we couldn't – they didn't have their paperwork right, and we just couldn't go. And I was like, no, we're getting out of here. We got to get going. We're getting yelled at from the sergeant major, stuff like that. So we kind of start inching forward more, and the guy follows me, and I follow him. And we just kind of just stare at each other waiting. And fortunately, we got out that way. I mean, that one was kind of like that fucks with your head a little bit. Um, and then there was a, a woman in a traffic jam that I was – I was 99% sure this one was going to blow us up. Um, just – Everything about her body shape was off, square, boxy. Her hands were hidden. She wouldn't stop. She wouldn't. She just kept inching closer and closer. And I actually drew up on her. Um, he told, and I actually told certain Dill. I told certain Dill, I, I was like, I'm going to kill this bitch. And he's like, Steph, just wait, wait. I was like, nope, she's too close. I don't like this. And I was puckering and everything. And he's like, Steph, just put the gun up. Get in the Humvee. If she blows up, we'll be fine. And fortunately she didn't. Um but it would have I think I think he made the right call. I think he had a little more experience from his first deployment, which probably left me out of prison or yeah, something like that. He was on but the O three oh four deployment with us. Yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of saved me. Mm-hmm probably potentially going to prison for murder, but, I mean, I would have... I felt like I would have been justified in my actions. Mm-hmm. But, but not for... I mean, for Pete, you know, pretty good. I mean, I didn't like women for a while that would wear what she was wearing. She was in an all-black burqa and and dress and all that kind of stuff, so that kind of threw me off for a while. I, I,
3: uh, how was the transition back home with the family? I mean, obviously, the first appointment is a little bit... Like, the first appointment yep. you know, because you
1: miss each other so much, but like, you know, you get back and you're, like... Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange feeling, know. Yeah, I came back single at the time. Um, I was actually I left engaged, um, came back single because, and this is the funny part. I've kept this secret from her parents, and I doubt they'll ever see this. I've kept the secret from most people. Um, we we broke it off, and she. I allowed her to use the excuse that it was just too hard being gone. The military life wasn't for her. Um, It turns out that we just weren't compatible because I was a Gemini and she was a cheating whore. (laughs) So I guess like three days after we left for Texas, she was sleeping with her ex-boyfriend and then she was sleeping with a couple other dudes and we kind of just drifted apart and stole. Ended up breaking it off with her. And then when we came home, like I said, I was single, I was young. I think I I was drunk for the first three months. To be honest with you, so if you want to call it struggling to transition back, I would go to bed with a beer and I'd wake up with a beer. And I did that for about three months after we got back.
0: So, what made you want to stop with the with the alcohol? You know, going to bed and waking up.
1: Uh, I think I met a girl. I think I started dating a girl, and she still drank, but I I spent started spending a little more time with her uh, than I would in the bars. Um, Plus, I think I started milking cows, and that was at like four in the morning, and (laughs) that was never fun. Uh, So, and then uh, the other big reason. Was uh, this was actually a year later because I was still drinking on and off since then pretty heavily. But uh, my best friend, who I'd seen that night, ended up going home and getting shot in his apartment. Um, his name was Josh Core. I don't know if you remember him at all, Josh, or not. But yeah. um, Core. K U E or K U R E R. He was from Delta. Um, Sounds familiar. Do you remember Anthony Valour? Yeah. Yeah, it's the key. It's the dude that Anthony Valour shot in the apartment.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So he ended up, Josh went home because he was drunk. He got kicked out of the bar because he was drunk, went home, and then Anthony Valour came over. And uh, I think uh, Josh had a, a judge, like a multi caliber judge, and Tony took it and he thought he unloaded it, put it together, and told Josh if he didn't come to the bathroom, he was going to pull the trigger. Josh said, no, he pulled the trigger. Nothing happened. Says it again, pulls the trigger and blows a hole in his chest. Um, Like I was, I was at the apartment. like three minutes after it happened. Um, That was, yeah, that was, that was probably the roughest. But then we had a couple suicides afterwards we got back uh, Tanner Severson, our medic. uh, They said it was a... I I won't say it's, they said it was an accident, like a a weapons accident, but in reality, we all kind of saw him a couple days before and we said something, but he was okay. And next thing you know, he's dead. Um, so that was, that was kind of rough, but otherwise, I mean, transitioning back's never been too hard for me. Uh, at least at that time, it wasn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, just being so young and single. So, what was
0: it like for friends and family? I mean, you know, I've talked about it before on other episodes and with conversations yes. with Steve and my friends. War didn't really become a real thing outside of Hollywood or books. In video games until my friends are going overseas so that's when yep. kind of woke up for me i mean you, and you said your parents they didn't really understand i mean um, did they ever did it ever seem to click with them
1: uh yes and no um i think they like to turn a blind eye if you will as to what i do just because like i said my my dad is a very very passive person um he's an amazing man but he's not a fighter um he doesn't really have a violent bone in him um my mom is just manipulative and sadistic um and i kind of got well, let me finish that my i'm, I'm adopted so i keep leaving things out. i'm adopted um my stepdad who's now my my dad because i'm adopted through him uh mm-hmm. is is very calm natured. My, my biological father's a little more blunt and, and like like that. Um, but with, with me finally telling them kind of one day what my job was before I deployed, they, they turned the blind eye to that violence because they don't, they don't like that. So even when I got home, they didn't really understand what was going on over there or what it was just cause they, like most people, which is why we're in some of the situations we're in today is they just turn a blind eye because they, they would rather not know. Um, Until some podcast with a
0: microphone asks you to come on a podcast.
1: (laughs) That's right. No, and that's fine. Um, He, after my second appointment, during this next appointment, he kind of understood a little bit more. Um, Plus, my little brother ended up joining, so he talks a lot about it. We have kind of that bond and talk in front of him. Um, But I turned into a... I, it sounds kind of crazy, and I, it's, it makes sense. I enjoy kind of doing violence, if that makes sense. Um, it's become a big part of me through the military, through just the way things are going in the world. I believe that, that violence sometimes is the answer. So because of that, I've, I've learned to enjoy it um, and just had some events through life that have made me really think that this is, is a good path. Um, so they, yeah, again, they, they just don't like that, so let us turn the blind eye.
0: What about your friends? I mean, anybody start talking to you or asking you questions about what it was like being in the military?
1: Yeah, I mean, I had a couple people join after I got back um, up after me and stuff like that. Um, But again, I think... (laughs) until you start talking to them, they don't, they'll, they'll ask you the normal questions. Did you kill anybody? Did you, you know, did you see a lot of dead bodies? Did you, what'd you, you know, stuff like that, but they don't really ask like, well, how, what actually happened? You know, they didn't ask you like, did you do any good and stuff like that where, you know, we went and the people are sorry. Majors were getting driven to were guys trying to set up and help keep the court system going. So I felt like at the time we were doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, now I have different opinions but so they, they, they focus on those questions which I think is a good thing I mean it's a good thing and a bad thing I mean you shouldn't really ask people some of them but a lot of them I think are still ignorant even though we've been at war for what 18 years 20 years now 20 years now almost that yeah they've just done such a good job hiding it from the world that you know and then you get the, you get the normal thank you for your service and stuff like that but
3: I always like getting that question yeah, you, know, you get that. It, it, you're invariably to at it. You know, one out of 10 people yeah. kill anybody. You yeah. Know? First, it, used to, it always used to piss me off, but now I'm just kind of like, you know, you got to have fun with it, right? You know? Yeah. If I'm into my cups a little bit. I'll just be like, oh, no, only when we are hungry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just have fun with it yeah only one of it, just for therapy yeah
1: it was okay yeah yeah <laughs> oh yeah, yeah you, you got it yeah, yeah. So how that's, long were you back gone.
0: States? I, I assume you said to you, that was your first deployment. I imagine. Yeah, were I actually,
1: there was 10 years between deployments. Jeez. We were slotted in between there, but they just never fell through. I think we were slotted slotted for Qatar at one point, which would have been an absolute vacation. <laughs> um, you were, you were selling for that one, but, Those uh, slotted, uh Thank yeah, God. it was, it was, Ooh. <laughs> it was it was 10 years between appointments and i i mean i had a lot happen in my military career i, I got promoted again sure i did a, a ton of army schools um Here i've been to up. like like i've been a squad designated marksman um i'm air assault. that one was more recent which i don't recommend if you're old <laughs> um <laughs> but um i did like i was a upl so i did some some i always Learned if you do some BS schools and send some better schools. Um, so I did like UPL unit prevention leader. I did the, the guy that did the piss tests, um, the EST 2000, which is now the EST two I'm certified in that. Woo. Um, that's which actually is. a really good program. But, which is why uh, it's like uh, a virtual shooting range. True. I thought it was, I always thought the EST was kind of fun, man. It's a I actually am now so good on it that I can actually create my own lanes. Like, because the programs are not yet, I started to create the new qualification table man. on it so you can make it like have pop-up targets you can have it make stationary targets so you can do so like it's basically a shooting a rifle for free paid for by the american taxpayers. so we can get better i mean i got to the point where i think i could engage 17 targets four times in like 18 seconds and it was it was transitioning targets so it was i mean we got we got good and had a lot of fun with that um what else? I've done uh, cold weather ops. So I'm um, cold weather operations, which was a good course in Fort McCoy. Uh, I was absolutely freezing and miserable. It was uh, a week of classroom and I'm literally just a week of walking around and surviving in the cold weather. Um, yeah, I learned, I, I do love snowshoeing. Oh, and we did ski for two days. Like we downhill ski for like a day and a half. <laughs> And then we did what they call a—is it skurting skewer, or skjording skewer, or something? That's where you get pulled behind a, a sled or something, which is actually a military tactic. No shit. Yeah, you get. Gosh. So it's usually on the like the, the the snow vehicles that the army has. I don't know what they're called, but they'll tie ropes behind them and they'll pull like light infantry behind them on cross country skis and skis. So the army actually has skis that you can wear, that you actually just put your Mickey Mouse boots in. And you can strap them down to make them downhill or you can let them up to be cross-country skis huh. good. Um, I know that? yeah so it's pretty cool man. it was a good course
3: um so no you took a you took a six spot right over in Bravo company yeah so how was, how was that? I, was, I was getting getting bumped up like that that had to be a pretty cool feeling well, I know
1: yeah how. so I got I got promoted in 2013 so I got my 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 six in six years um so again I moved up pretty quick um at that point point, I had kind of earned a a name for myself around the battalion. Um, People kind of knew me, and they knew that I was kind of a hard-ass. Again, it was kind of one of those my way or no way for a while. Um, And just really kind of more old-school, because the guys I grew up with were very old-school. I was in kind of that weird transition phase, like the end of BDUs to the beginning of ACUs. So I got a lot of the old-school Style punishment and a lot of the new stools, so I struggled to blend them together. Um, still, but I ended up having some amazing team leaders that I, I fell in love with at first we didn't get along the best, but then they transferred out. And then I got, um, some other guys I had like Sergeant Flugleiser and Sergeant Roach or Sergeant Flugleiser and Sergeant Johnson, um, all phenomenal guys. And we ended up having some of the best squads in the, in the state, uh, through those guys. Um, and that was, I mean, it was a good place, but again, because I had a name for myself, um, it followed me everywhere I go. It still follows me, um, in the army and it will for the rest of my life, good or bad. Um, right now it's kind of bad, but, uh, so I, I struggled to integrate into that unit, um, pretty much until the day I got kicked out. Um, but I ended up getting to the point where I focused more on my ability to train soldiers to a standard that was above the army standard because the standard is the minimum and people don't understand that. So if you do the army standard, you're basically a minimum soldier, which is horseshit. So, (laughs) you know, that's what I focused on and it kind of earned me a reputation for that, for being a good training and see that other people would come to me. And that's how I kind of found my way into the unit um, there. But because they all had deployed together on the first deployment in for our first one in two thousand nine two thousand ten, they were all kind of already buddy buddy. So trying to come into that was a little rough.
0: Were you getting pushback from the guys? I mean, here you're trying to push the training standard up. Yep. And I know yeah, a lot not, of people like to take that path of least resistance.
1: Yeah, not from not from my joes. I mean, they would struggle a little bit at first, but then I I, I started to show them that like if you guys work hard, I work hard. So there was like one night, I think I took. A, I think I took like six firewatch shifts or you know stuff like that for them so they could all get a couple extra hours of sleep. Um, and they kind of learned then that it's a give and take. You give me some, I'll give you some. Um, that was the day that an OC all the mixed I tried to fight a battle naked. Um, <laughs> what? We were, yeah, we were. I I had done, you know, firewatch, i had been up for like a day and a half, so I was like, I'm going to bed for a little bit. And it was hot. So I stripped down to my skivvies and took those off inside my tent and took a nap. And next thing I you know, we're getting attacked. And this OC comes up to me and he kicks me. He's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm sleeping. I'm not doing anything right now. Leave me alone. And he's like, well, your guys are getting attacked right now. I was like, yeah, I know. I hear it. They're, they're calling up what they need to call. Can you hear it? And he's like, well, yeah. I was like, well, shouldn't you be go drive? I was like, no, they got it. They're good. And he yelled He's like, you need to get up now. Get your gear on and get up there. I was like, are you sure? And he's like, yes. So I stood up, butt naked, started throwing my gear on and started running over towards the line. He's like, sorry, what are you doing? I was like, what you told me to. And he's like, you need to put some clothes on. I was like, what do you want me to do? And he's like, put some clothes on. And at that point, the battle was over. So I just crawled right back into bed. (laughs) But... No, that was, I mean, that was fun. So those guys really liked that kind of aspect. And then I learned to explain the whys. Um, I've learned that you can literally get somebody dodge sh- dog shit. If you tell them why, if you explain why and you explain it in a way that they understand. So that really helped a lot, uh, for me. So from there, this is with, you said Bravo. Bravo. Yep.
0: Bravo. Where'd you go from, where'd you go from there?
1: So I'm kind of in a limbo right now. Um, I guess some, some dirty laundry. I ended up getting uh, kicked out. I, I actually just put deployment. They took my squad from me and sent me to HHC. Um, and that's a, a weird topic. But uh, more or less, I started to push back against upper leadership because – of bad information was getting passed down and as an NCO I felt it was my responsibility to protect my guys from that. Um and the other thing is my wife was uh two years ago, but yeah, two years ago, was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Um and we had decided right away that because there was talk about this deployment that we were still gonna go on the deployment because TriCare would be free at the time. Um and I would to pay for it. And the money we would make from that deployment would be absolutely amazing. Um, so we decided to go. Well, some guys didn't like that um, and felt that, that it was their responsibility and duty to write letters to the command that they felt that I was abandoning my family as a husband and as a father because I was going on this deployment with a sick wife who could, I mean, potentially die at any moment. Um, and because of that, I think they had used something that had happened earlier as a scapegoat to get me out. Um, I was, I was, I was charged with sexual harassment against a guy in the army um, because what I thought and everybody else thought was joking. He, I think he was coached, but that's neither here from me or say, but I basically joked and said, show me your dick. Um, To me, it's a, it's, it's kind of like a test of a man. Like what kind of a man are you? Are you willing to literally just, put it all out there and and be part of us or are you going to just hide and keep it away? And never wanted to see his penis, never anything like that. Well, next thing I know, I'm getting brought up on charges for sexual harassment. Um, So I ended up kicking me out of that company to HHC where I deployed with to Afghanistan. And now I'm kind of in a limbo where I'm still technically on Bravo's books, but I can't return there under this command.
4: Mm
1: -hmm. So it's a new army. (laughs) Right. Oh yeah. I'll tell you I'll, I'll tell you more details about it. Um just I'm trying to keep a lot of an anemone an, 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 an or whatever the word is. An anemone um and then,
0: yeah yeah that's yep. that
1: is an amenity but you know it ended up it ended up working out okay on the deployment I got a pretty decent gig as a battle NCO in TK well,
3: has this has this experience now obviously has kind of soured your relationship with with the army obviously um, yes very much so in- it's definitely changed the nature of the dynamics of your relationship with the Army now. So now going forward, where do you think this is going to take here? What do you think five years from now? You got, what, 14 years in? So you got six years till retirement at yep. a minimum, right? Yep. So do you think this is going to cut your career short? or do you think that you're going to make put forth an effort to keep going or maybe transfer to another unit say fuck Wisconsin go over to Minnesota I don't know what you're yeah
1: doing, But so where's the thought process uh, going with this I'm, I'm kind of working the potential for an inter, or interstate transfer to Minnesota. Um, that was brought up today, but I struggle with, with my dirty laundry. Um, if that is something that they see before they accept me, are they gonna say, we'll accept you, but not as an E6? You know, you're gonna have to go on like an E4, and which I won't do. Um, definitely a sour feeling be, like, to be, be honest with Tricaradol. you.
3: What's that? If you took a bump and you took a reduction in pay, you would still be on TRICARE though. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, which was awesome that I didn't get – like I I didn't get charged in Article 15 or anything like that. I didn't get – I didn't lose any of my benefits. Um, I did get barred to reenlistment for a while um, on the deployment, but that's all behind me now. Um, I had an amazing deployment. I did an amazing job for a lot of people. I was praised (laughs) – um, stuff like that. But my, yeah, I definitely have a sour taste just because of the experience we've had with some of the leadership. Um, and it's the way the army's going as a whole. It's not, it's not to me, the army that I I joined. Um, and to be honest with you, I struggle. There's some days that if if we didn't need the TRICARE, I mean, Lauren's chemo is like $46,000 a month. If we didn't need that TRICARE, there's times where I would probably try to just separate now. Um, but fortunately with 14 years in, I'm coming onto that 15 year mark, which I can try to medically retire. Um, I got several herniated discs. I've got nerve damage, sciatica. I've got, I've had nine concussions. Um, I got a lot wrong with me. So I might try to look that path. Uh, Sooner. Otherwise, no, I'm, I'm going to finish out my, my career, whether I have a sour taste or not. Like I'm not going to let a few sour eggs or sour moments dictate or define my entire military career. Um, I was, and still am an amazing NCO and, 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 can literally produce some of the most amazing junior leaders and soldiers out there. And I, I stand by that. It's like, I kind of told you in basic, if I, if I believe in something, I'm going to speak up and say it. Um, and I'm not done yet. So if I don't get medically retired, I I will finish out whether I'm broken or not. I'll finish out my 20 years and, and, you know, get promoted to a point where I can say, look at you, you stupid fucks, (laughs) you know, but
0: do you, do you worry uh, about, you know, if you stay in, since you are, you know, as you said, broken, getting stuck behind a desk, and you said you, oh, like, yeah. you like the violence, you like the, to go out, and, you know, uh, I think, Josh, you've called it play in the sand before on earlier episodes.
1: Yeah, I, it, it does bring me, but it's one of those things, you know, it's, uh, it's a really hard balance because part of it is is I want to push myself and continue what I love. But the other part is, is, am I going to be able to walk at 40? You know, if I have these hernias now, like I'm actually, I just called Bravo company and HAC and told them I want to go to, they just offered some slots for uh, uh, mountain warfare. You get the Ram's head. Right. That'd be absolutely insane and awesome, but it's miles and miles and miles of rocking up mountains every day and stuff like that, and it's – you know, one of the things like I want to do this, so I'm going to do it, but am I going to hurt myself even more in the process? Yes, you will. (laughs) I know I will, but at the same time, you know what? That's right. As soon as I get out of the Army, there's a lot of things I can do to help with pain and with all that good stuff, so (laughs) – yeah. to me it's t- it's true it's a it's a 50 50 for me you know i'm gonna continue to do what i love but i'm gonna make sure that i can still walk what do you think Steve? So. does this all sound familiar to you have you heard
3: this stuff before or-
2: <laughs> yeah i actually um i i only did five years active before i yeah. got out and switched to reserves and part of it was um <laughs> I had another squad leader who worked with me and he had been in since he was 20 or 21. He, he, he was at 14 years. So he was like 35, 36. He was on his sixth deployment and he looked like he was in his mid fifties. Yeah. Like it had just taken, it had taken such a toll on his body. And I'm like, I, I don't fucking want that for me. I'm out. Yeah, I, I ex- deployment, I I was done.
1: I call it accelerated body aging because I've had a VA doctor ask me, like, I don't understand you young guys with all this pain. I was like, well, have you ever done anything? He's like, well, no, I was like, you don't understand, but I it's accelerated body aging. I mean, I am 35 years old and my body's like 65 years old because of the amount of pressure and stress you put through on a regular basis throughout the army, even in the, even though I'm in the national guard, I've never felt that way. Like I do something every day to better myself. So I work out regularly, all that kind of stuff. So I'm still putting that, you know, that the damage on my body every day that the average person isn't. That's what I tell
2: people is like, I I might be 32, but my knees and my back are in their mid (laughs) fifties.
1: Yeah, like- I have 35. I, I roll out of bed sometimes because I cannot sit up.
3: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a living embodiment of that. I mean, it's, my knees are gone. My ankles gone. My lower back is gone. I've started to have shoulder problems now, and, you know, and, um, you know, I self-medicate as well, you know, but, yeah. you know it's i'm almost 50 now you know and um it's getting harder as i'm getting older you know and so like i hear stuff like this you know and it's always like well careful mountain warfare school sounds awfully fun and that fucking ram's head on your on your chest is a dope motherfucker i mean that's a badass badge to wear on you know because it's it's rare Yeah. Rare yeah guys with a ram's head you know i've only seen one guy in my 20 years i only saw one guy with a yeah um you know but you pay for it you know yep. you pay later on down the road when you get to be like 47 and you're like I don't know if this fucking thing's worth it
2: I I, I learned that you You know know, badges it's never worth it for the badge I know when we were we thought you know maybe we're going into Syria there were guys like you know fuck yeah if they um, you know if they classify that as something different from war on terror I can get a fucking star on my CIB and like man earning the earning my CIB was uh, a lot of fucking work and like I don't know if I'm going to survive getting a goddamn star on it, and it, that's right? not worth it. The CIB
0: worth is a <laughs> bad infantry badge. So, what's the what's the star?
2: The star is for additional campaigns. Sure. So the only per, the only people you will see with a star currently are those that were in Desert Storm. Okay. Because everything Iraq and Afghanistan is considered war on terror. It's just one big conflict. So once once you get the CIB, once like you you don't get anything additional until you know. We well, pick a fight with someone else.
3: <laughs> I met two people in my career who had TIB with a star on. So. Um, one, one. I, don't, Scott. I can't even... it. Scott, Scott Knighty. You remember Knighty? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But. Wait. So, perspectively yeah. speaking you know i mean uh, it, you, you you get to talk that up and you, can, you get to be able to say yeah i did that but you know at the same time you're going to be like "When once you hit my age man 47 oh, it's like, i did that i it, did that yeah it's like well yeah because i mean it's like freaking dude it's it's nonstop, stop man i mean it, every yeah. day in management you know yep. and um i don't honestly i don't help it out either because i do
2: You just you just don't recover from stuff as quick. Yeah, either. Like I, my first month in Afghanistan, uh, we were closing down a JSS. And I was on guard, you know, on the perimeter for like 24 hours. And we what little sleep we got would be inside of a Max Pro and I was coming out after like a 45 minute nap. It's like three in the morning. And I missed a step and I had full kit on as a saw gunner. Yeah, I had 80 80, 90 pounds at a minimum. And I missed a step and I went down on my knee. hurt and i wasn't wearing knee pads because fuck knee pads and it felt like a motherfucker but i just i didn't say shit to anyone and i just did you know the rest of the deployment with that and eventually after like three months it stopped hurting and i was like all right you know fuck it (laughs) that's done with and i was like 23 at the time and then when i got back from kuwait i tried going mountain climbing and i immediately tore my hamstring and it took me eight months to recover from that
1: My I ass. was I was the same on my first one. I didn't bring anything up. I didn't really talk about anything. But this the second appointment, I, I documented everything.
2: Well, you, you think you're like some kind of hard ass. And then you realize later that you just fucked yourself because now you have no paperwork. Like yeah. I didn't get shit from the VA when I got out because there was no paperwork. You're like all the this army, shit that happened to me. Yeah. The army trains you that way. It so does it does Just, on, do the mission you fucking, fucking drink water and shut up drink water shut <laughs> up and then you get helpful. out and they're like why didn't you document this why didn't you document it because yeah. I'm past the fucking school I didn't want to have to do the school because <laughs> I'm not <laughs> cause right? Cause I'm not a bitch. fuck you
0: doc <laughs> do you do you guys foresee down the road the military as a whole working to correct this whether it's training or maybe just get better boots no
2: they they talk about it but it's the same thing where they talk about like you know if you need help get help you know with, with the whole especially with like suicide but and they're always like, you know, there's no stigma attached to it. But absolutely, there's fucking stigma attached to it. And absolutely, like, people will look at you like you're less
3: they will if you if another, ask for help. They will create another PowerPoint presentation that you have to watch around Christmas time or around the New Year. Just like with all the sexual harassment and the sexual assault and the freaking anti-suicide stuff that does not work
2: it doesn't no. do anything it's just them washing their hands about they're like oh yeah. well you know we told him not to kill himself so i don't know what to tell you they're like oh we told him you know not to you know not to fucking sexually harass people but they you know i can't tell you why he did it
0: anyway not our fault we told him not to do it
1: that's <laughs> can, literally
0: mean, they just can wash that even change back. from the top down or does that yeah i that i, I see I, I, disagree I
1: disagree with you too i disagree with you too i think the army is going to change where it comes to documenting things where it comes. To to training overall in the army as a whole is going to go back more old school documentation, you know, we'll talk with your stigma first. Okay. So I can, I'll help break this thing right now. I am on antidepressants right now because I am depressed as fuck. I have mental health issues like crazy. Um, Obviously, my wife is dying. I've got two kids I gotta raise on my own here soon. I don't know how I'm gonna pay my bills out of time. I'm depressed. I am. throwing the fucking
2: pandemic on top of that.
1: Yep. Yep. The pandemic. I'm starting my first counseling session on Monday. Um, So, yes, the stigma's there. However, I think that fortunately, my generation, and I say my generation, you know, I'm a millennial. um, And I'm actually, I'm a proud millennial, very proud millennial, because I think millennials are actually gonna change the world. It's not gonna be. For a couple generations after us, it's not gonna be before us. It's Millennials are gonna change the world. I, I agree um, with you on
2: that. I think our, our generation you know, gets at, a lot of flack, but we yep. have borne the brunt of the largest conflict, the longest yep. conflict in American history.
1: Look at Madison Cawthorn, a 25 year old congressman. You know, we're, our, I, I believe boomers have created this mess, and I believe millennials, even though they give us the most shit, are gonna fix it. Um, as for training, I think what's gonna happen is. With the way the world's going, we're going to be in another conflict, and our army is getting so soft that we're going to get our asses handed to us. We're not going to lose, but there's going to be a couple battles where we just get fucked up, and it's going to be devastating. And that's going to be like, oh, shit, what happened? And they're going to get these guys that, like me, that have stayed in that have been there or you know, even down the road that have been able to get that instilled in them that they're going to say, this is what happened. You went soft. You let us, you stopped letting us punish these guys the way we needed to, to not even punish how to correct them, how to build them the way that we should. It's so soft now that they don't understand that combat is real. War is real Real. that I think that our generations are going to fix that as well. And for the paperwork, it's because of the older guys, like you and me and, and everything else that I keep saying, like, yeah, I screwed myself. I told my guys before this deployment, the younger generation, you document everything if you get a hangnail you document it if you stub your toe document it and i think that part's going to change because again enough of us are like you know what we realize that the army's not going to do shit for us we have to do it for ourselves so let's start looking after each other
2: I, i I agree with, I actually agree with you on that. I mean, I had, when I was in Carson, I had a private who was one of the, one of the best privates I had. Like he was fucking, he was squared away. He was motivated. Um, he was good at PT. He was a good shot. He, he didn't fuck around. Um, and then he, one day he had, he had a seizure and they were like, They'll get his ass out of here we're medically discharging him um and they were trying to do it as fast as they could and i was like like fuck no dude like this isn't your fault uh like look you drag out this medical shit for two more months you get your gi bill yeah like this this isn't your fault you're not you're not a shitty soldier and but like and they were trying to like and they knew that too so they were trying to get him out as quickly as they could so they could fuck him over with that and i'm like no Mm no (laughs) no drag your feet like you're this isn't your fault you're getting fucked over like might as well get your gi bill
1: out of it yeah i think i think the day of blindly following orders has kind of passed um i think as ncls we've been we've seen enough now through through the war what works and what doesn't. I think one of the biggest things is, you know, just because a leader says this is the way it is doesn't necessarily mean this is the way it is. You need to make sure that you're understanding fully. And if you have questions, ask. Cause a lot of times it was like, this is what it is, shut up and go do it. We're like, well, hey, and like, nope, just go do it. And now I think we're we're fighting back. Like I've been in so many arguments with upper leadership about information being passed out and stuff like that that I mean I've got my ass chewed and smoked so many times and I'm funny, but you, you got to at this point because you just get you know, you so much bad information and it, it just gets worse as it comes down. So it's like
2: Yeah, you, know, I, you finally got I found that made me a better leader because when I when I got back from my first deployment they made me a team leader, I was I was like you, I was a hard ass. Uh, I had two privates go AWOL on me. <laughs> Uh, they probably considered killing me because I, I fucking rode them day in and day out. And then once I PCSed, I kind of I kind of chilled out a little bit, and I found. <laughs> When I, when I did that, and when I started, you know, giving my guys the why more, and sticking up for them more, I was a much better leader for it. And I was much more successful. And once I stopped owning the shitty policies of upper leadership, because, you know, you you get stuff from higher up, and they're like, you own this, this is your policy, your policy, you know, you have to sell this. And I realized after a while, I'm like, you're only saying that because you know that it's a dog shit policy. And you want me to fucking pay for it. <laughs> and yeah, I, I found oh, that I was it. a better leader once I chilled
3: hardest, out. Hardest job that I had as a first sergeant was being a bullshit filter. You know, yeah, it is. It is the most difficult thing, you know, because you're you're looking at this stuff coming down, you know, and you It's literally a sewer pipe. You know, and you're like, "What the fuck is this shit? This is ridiculous." I'm not telling my guys to do this. (laughs) You know, you can eat a fucking dick. No, I'm not fucking doing this. You know, and it was astoundingly difficult to do. Astoundingly difficult to do. You know, because I mean, you have no choice. You you know, it's you know, but at the same time, you know, you once you get good at kind of doing that and, and people see you freaking really kind of struggling with it, you know, it um, it becomes almost a, a benefit to you because, you know, they know that you're freaking, they see that you're freaking, yeah, first sergeant is going to make us do that. It, you know, I'll give you an example. During AT, their annual training events, they would say that anybody, you know, if you were walking around, even around your hooches and stuff, everybody had to be in battle rattle. 100% of the time, you know, nope. no PCs, in the field, no, no patrol caps in the field, you know? And it was like, I'm not doing that. Sorry. I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going to make a guy walk around, you know, if he's just sitting outside of his hooch, he doesn't have to be in full bed. He, he, no, we're not doing the shit. No. You know? And so you, 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 it almost becomes a risk, risk mitigation. You know, where you're you're performing the same task on your own guys to try to free them so they don't tear you from limb from limb, you know <laughs> you know you being a dickhead leader, you know, but I always applied it as like, well, am I gonna do that shit? No, I'm not gonna do that you know I'm not gonna make my guys do it either, you know, so. I understand where you guys are, what you guys are saying, but I will say this: I love being retired. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just to go back, and you're saying about how the army is getting softer and softer. It, it seems to be, I'd say, either a cycle or it's the, you know, the, you know, well, the old adage of back in my day, we had to walk uphill both ways to school through 20 feet of snow. You know, Like I said, I've been reading more books, and right now I've been reading About Face by Lieutenant David David Hackworth, and he talks about the story Willie Lump Lump, and listeners can go Google that. I'm not going to go through the whole story and butcher that, but the gist of it is that, you know, Private Willie complains that he's having to learn to use how to bayonet and he doesn't want to and he complains so he writes a letter to his mom mom writes the senator senator calls up the general and goes why are we using bayonets it's 2021 there's no reason for this and then long story short willie gets killed by the enemy with bayonet because he didn't know how to use his own i mean do you think that's what's going on just-
1: yeah, actually, I, I do. Um, funny story about that. I was one of the last, actually, I think it was the last class in, in Benning to go through the bayonet course. <laughs> I graduated expert with a bayonet. So <laughs> if they come for us, they're not going to get me. Um, I do. I think that's what it is. I think they, you know, they, you, if you watch the news, they just got rid of the shark attack you know which was one of the most amazing events in the military it's where you put your head down on your bags they drive around in circles for like an hour literally just in circles so you have no idea where you are even though you're only like half a mile from where you were and then all of a sudden it stops and you sit there and the doors open You're like all right what's going on and then all hell breaks loose and it's just nonstop yelling and smoking for a good hour or four. Uh, they got rid of that. Now it's something different. Um, you know, you can't smoke soldiers anymore. They get their phones and all that other stuff. And it's, you know, we're making all these accommodations for everybody and, and everybody can do this, everybody can do that. It's 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 like it's a social experiment now to the point where, yeah, one kid complains and next thing you know, the Senator's calling saying, oh, this drill sergeant's a piece of shit because he yelled at my student. You know, and yeah, it's kind of just like how schools are going. It's not the teacher's fault anymore or the student's fault anymore. It's the teacher's fault. And I think that's how basically, we're getting, we're getting Joe's now. They don't have to pass a PT test in basic to graduate basic. If I, if I remember that right, they don't have to much. So we're that's, getting these that's soldiers. That's not
2: that, new. That's not new. Yeah. We got a kid in 2012 who... <laughs> I couldn't pass a PT test and he was one of the ones I drove AWOL because I spent an entire five mile run screaming at him I couldn't talk after that and then like 30 minutes later they were like he didn't show up for formation I'm like ah fuck
1: (laughs) he's gone (laughs) you know looking like like, here's some controversy I don't know if I can say this on your show but transgender right letting transgender you know there's a lot that comes with that and if they are 100 off of hormone meds and 100 healthy, some like of that, sure, whatever. I don't care. I don't think anybody cares. But with that, you know, comes the high suicide rate. Comes with all that hormone therapy. You have to do some of like that. We don't have time to worry about that stuff. You know, we're out in the field for how long? I've gone two, three weeks without a shower. You know, I get yeast. I got a yeast infection on my thighs because we were so dirty. You know now. That's so. Hot. Like, uh, yeah. I got <laughs> <allergy>. it. <a laughs> ass. <laughs> Yeah, I got fucking
2: athlete's ass. I was like, <laughs> I had to, I had to go to the drill sergeant, and he was like, "Don't show me. I'll take yeah. your word for it." Because it was like, yeah. I, you know, I couldn't see it, but it was like, it hurt like a bitch. It was red, itchy, and then I went into the, to the fucking sick call, and they're like, "You've got athlete's foot on your ass."
1: <laughs> so, yeah, and I think, I think they're just trying to appease everybody, and, and war doesn't appease anybody. I mean. <laughs> I, I, when we were in Iraq, I had to look a kid in the face and, and decide if I was going to shoot him or not because I thought he was going to shoot me. And that's not something that you can, you know, you have time to deal with in, in those other moments if you're under the weather or, you know, you're not getting things like that. And if you're just a kid that was baby this whole time, next thing you know, that kid did have a weapon and he just blasted your whole squad because you hesitated and couldn't make a decision because you, you know, were babied through basic and through your military career. Um, and I think that's where you get a lot of these the upper leadership that are just shit. You know, they only look out for themselves cause they're just, they're soft, you know, bad soldiers you know, and all that.
2: I agree with that to an extent. Um, but at yeah. the same time, I feel th- there is a way to mold soldiers and to make sure that they are resilient without just making them do pushups all the time. I've oh, actually yeah. found, um, oh, yeah. I found soldiers that like, I had a soldier when I was in Carson who I never had to smoke him. Like if he, he was he was pretty squared away. But if he ever fucked around, all I had to say was like, "I'm disappointed. I expected better of you," and that would just fucking crush him. Like, yeah. and I, I think part of it was he he looked up to me a lot. But that would just like I could make him do push-ups for an hour, or I could just be like, "I'm fucking disappointed in you," and the second one would just devastate him like he he'd look like he was gonna cry and like i but like i don't have to sit there and waste anyone's time and making him do push-ups that he's not gonna learn from and i I think part of the problem with the army is a lot of ncos are just a hammer and they treat every soldier like a nail and i i I mean it is it is stupid that yeah you can't make them do more than five push-ups now but I think that we as, you know, NCOs have to kind of rise to that
3: challenge and figure out a way to get around it. I definitely agree. I think you get way more with respect and dignity, and you will get a lot more out of actually talking to your soldiers and your Joes and your subordinates. Than just constantly yelling all the time, going, You know, this is my way, blah, 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 blah. You know, anyways, we sat here yeah. the last, last couple of minutes freaking bad. Tell me something good that you freaking have gotten on. Like, got it? Tell me something good, yeah. Tell me something. What's something like I can tell you, like, my philosophy on life yeah. is directly, I can get directly related to my experiences in the army. I think I got a pretty unique. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think
1: I've got a pretty good outlook. Yeah. You know? I think I got shit figured out, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, you do. I mean you're you're definitely a guy we look up to. You know, um, tell me something no, about I have, he's done positively for you, you know. Yeah, I, I no I have. I I feel like I talk about it, but I have had an amazing military experience. Like I said, it's it's been a third of my life now at this point actually more yeah literally a third of my life maybe a little bit more that i've been in the army um i've met some amazing people. you know first needs, needs here josh um other people i still talk to i got my buddy rip um some other guys in this last one you know some lifelong friendships um i'm not a complete fat ass for it i'm not six feet under i'm not in prison which was potentials you know uh right um I, I like to. I do like to think about how much money the Army spent on my head and my body. You know, like just the amount of information that has been put into it that most people wouldn't even be able to fathom. Um, air assault, love air assault school. That was one of my biggest dreams, and it took me 13, 12 years to get. I got it just before we deployed in 2019, so... yeah that that one was fun i almost died there bronchitis what is
0: is air assault school in titan air
1: air assault air assault assault is i mean it entails a lot but the ultimate end goal is that you do things with helicopters with uh rotary wing aircraft uh whether it's like sling loads so you know how they they pick things up from the ground
4: Mm -hmm.
1: uh attached by like ropes, stuff like that. You do that. Um, and then it's also like air assault missions, like repelling from helicopters, um, and stuff like that. Being able to like guide helicopters in fine landing fields, um, things like that. They kind of teach you stuff like that. So it's not everything, but like the, the, the school is, yeah, yeah, the school is actually, they call it the hardest 10 days in the army. And they say it used to be, I still think it's pretty hard. Like you get there on day zero and before you're not even in the school when you show up. Like you're just slotted. And then they make you go through, you get your ass smoked, and then you got to do a two mile run in uniform. You get to wear tennis shoes, and then. After that, you got to put your boots back on and then you got to go through the obstacle course and you get smoke some more. And then after that, if you pass all that, you get in and then you do like two days of classroom and then you do a six mile road march, which is timed with a packing list. And if you're missing anything from your packing list, you fail. And then you do some more classes and you sling load tests and you do repelling. And then you finish it off. Literally, the day we graduated was three hours after a 12 mile road march. <laughs> We woke up at like two in the morning, had to be out there by three, started this 12-mile road march, did the layout, and then we had to go clean and pack and then go. We actually had a guy fail aerosol school based off of his layout. The very, very last layout. And do you know what he was missing? His dog tags oh he failed the school he had to watch us all graduate fortunately for him i think he just has to go back and do the 12 mile road march again within like six months is all he had to do and then he could go right back through it but um yeah i mean i've met some amazing i think people is the biggest experience for the military i think the military makes people pretty bitter sometimes just because they see the realities of the world but i think it makes you appreciate things more like i love getting mail still you know (laughs) Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. give me your address. Kind of mine to you. You, you can know what?
1: <laughs> right. So I have a friend um who's been sending me letters and stuff like that who actually has he uses wax in his own like press like stationary press whatever it is it's absolutely incredible like when i get those i'm like sweet i feel so fancy that's some bougie ass shit there man I mean, that's, doing like that's, a back in the 1800s and stuff that's, no that's my sugar daddy <laughs> i kind of run and read one of these letters right right no they're pretty decent like he sent me i got a yeti for christmas from him like a yeti cooler what's up? i got a yeti cooler one of the the, the soft bag ones for christmas yeah. from
3: them cool
1: man <laughs> yeah so it's right. a good dude um but no I, I i mean i'm starting to use my gi bill now um and things like that sorry so that's good i got a lot of i gotta get my phone um yeah i started to use my gi bill to go to school and I've learned I like the medical field, so I'm going into the medical field now. Um, So yeah, it's it's a good time.
0: Do you have plans? You said you want to finish out, you know, your six years or medically retire, but have you started to think what you want to do after that?
1: Yeah. So right now I'm a certified nursing assistant. Um, I work in a nursing home all over the area around here. Um, I'd like to get in my RN. Um, I'm trying to go to school for that. Um, So that's. That's good. There. Hey, use that but, GIVL. Yeah, no, I am. Um, it's like the best Minnesota thing in the army. Ever legalizes cannabis. I'd like to get involved in that industry, but I can't do that in the army. Um. So that's mostly because of my wife. But yeah. You so that was- that's. I think. Go ahead.
0: Yeah. Do you think that would, that would ever change in the army? I can understand, like don't be smoking or doing edibles on, on deployment, but if you're back home and you're just doing training cycles or, you know, your
1: are fives. If it becomes federally legalized, they are going to have a hard time not allowing soldiers to do it. With, with the alcohol problems that they have, there's no way they're going to be able to allow soldiers not to to use cannabis. I mean, they're already working with there's there's they're already working with tests that they can do to determine how recent you would use THC if it's still in your I mean if it's still actively in your system. So I mean, as long as you're they're they're in a quand a bit of a quandary or a pickle over it. Yeah, but they know there
3: there are some benefits. Just pain management alone.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Even you know, CBD, I've been seeing in more circles they can't
3: allow it because you know they, they can't allow it because it it them you know, they're they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. You know. Yep. They're really stuck on it right now. You know, and unless it becomes legal at the federal level, you know their hands are pretty much tied on on them.
2: I I think we're, I think we're closer to that than, than people realize. And I hope yeah. And you know, I I know, I know what you're saying to them being in a quandary, but you have to keep in mind, this is the same army that still requires people to shave because (laughs) of, you know, gas masks in world war one. They don't like changing shit. No, they
3: don't. That's, that's what I'm saying. That's, uh, that's essentially what I'm saying is, you know, they don't like change, having paradigm shifts or freaking, you know, these massive changes that come down, you know? It, it, right. Pushback. Look, at, look at all the pushback that came just for allowing females in the in the military, not in the infantry, just in the military alone. Look, look yeah. at the... I mean, it was... It, the old timers were dragged, kicking and screaming along with them, you know? It was, it was... That was a hard fight. It was a really hard fight, you
0: know? Yeah. You think it's more plausible that it go like some of the states where... California being the big one that legalized medically first for X number of years and then legalized across the board kind of situation. I have no idea, man.
3: I don't know how it would all shake out. It'd have to ha- it would have to happen at the federal level, is it? Yeah, the, the, the branches of the service they're, they're you know, it's, it's run at the federal level, you mm. know, you can say. Like, if you okay, let's say they start doing that, and California National Guard says it's okay, you know, you guys can use me- medical marijuana, but boom, the federal government says, No, you can't, you know. So all of a sudden, you have a whole bunch of California units that get freaking activated for federal duty, you know, <laughs> they're all going to fucking piss hot, you know, because it was okay to do it in California. Right. i got really bad glaucoma, no I no, don't no, you know. And, so <laughs>
0: like, and I, I don't imagine the the Fed, if they get activated, they don't have like a 31-day window. It looks bad, I suppose.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's ways to mitigate stuff like that. No. Sure. You know, I mean, you know, but they still, it puts them in, they're going to, every single freaking logical explanation that you can come they're gonna they're gonna fight and it's gonna just be this and then you'll get freaking you know the red
1: team versus blue team bullshit that happens you know it'll become political how many how many medal of honor recipients from vietnam have come out and said we were high Oh, uh, uh, yeah. you know i was high on cannabis they were, they were doing a lot more freaking you know <laughs> but it yeah, also
2: like, just takes it also just takes one asshole i mean look at like chandler with the tattoos it just takes yeah. one asshole who's like like i hate tattoos and yeah. you know made it a pain in the ass until you know daily came in and saved us
1: but i, I need to get this out there because if anybody in the military is watching like when it comes to cannabis, I'm strictly for my wife. Like, she's the one that does it, not me. Um, she, with the chemo, she's on like 15 meds. She takes two of them out of 15 because she smokes cannabis. Mm-hmm. So I yeah. firsthand see the benefits, and you know, anxiety, everything that she deals with, anxiety stuff like that are things that veterans are dealing with every day. So I push for that on a regular basis. Um, there, there are times that freaking, like
3: I'm when I'm in a rough shit, man. And I'll fucking yeah, fuck yeah, dude. I'll fucking i I'll eat an edit. I'll, I'll eat a gummy. Yeah. I'll, I don't give a oh fuck. yeah,
0: dude. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know. yeah. It's, and I'm in corporate uh, America. and it's, it's a so bit of a gray area, crazy. there, too. Still.
2: Yeah, I I gotta stay clean because I'm in corporate America and I need my security clearance. So yeah, yeah. Not, not that I've ever been tested, but
3: there's nothing wrong with it. Uh, what I'm there saying, isn't. It, you know, look at the benefits. I mean, look how many. Look at it helps so many people out there. You know, why are we not using this to treat PTSDs for vets? <laughs> yeah oh absolutely Uh, i I
0: don't know if you guys followed and uh, dustin you going into the medical field the john hopkins and a handful of other universities across america and canada doing studies with psilocybin for ptsd treatments
1: yeah you know they're oh yeah they're doing everything like they're mm -hmm. using shrooms for depression um they tried molly or mdma for ptsd too because it gets you to open up
0: yeah, and they, they're the uh, John Hopkins, Hopkins I was reading a, or listening to a podcast about it. There's guys that one dose, I think one tenth of a milligram, and there's a bunch of other stuff in there to kind of help keep you level but 12 months later they're still not having any major or overt symptoms that they were experiencing yep. prior to that just one dose so okay oh,
3: I think eventually it's going to get legalized and eventually you know it will you know I don't I don't think any of the harder stuff like heroin or meth will be well maybe heroin
1: I don't know I mean yeah, <laughs> uh, you
4: know,
1: but um, Yeah, that's a topic for another day. I think all drugs should be legalized, but... I agree. That's just me. Just let them. People are going to do it no matter what. Um, You know what? So I actually... I use John Hopkins a lot when I debate people because people try to use credible sources and they say that John Hopkins is a credible source, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So a lot of it now is with like the anti-mask mess. I'm I don't wear a mask. I don't, I believe that the coronavirus is real, but I don't believe it's a pandemic. I, I work in a nursing home and when I'm there, I do for them. But, you know, I think that if you're going to get, you're going to get it no matter what you do. And I think it's stupid. But uh, people will say like John Hopkins did a study on this and it's usually the lefters, um, Democrats, all like that. But they're like, well, they did a study on this and how masks work, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, so you think John Hopkins is a credible source, right? So then I'll ask him like, well, what do you think about transgenderism? And I, I, I talk a lot of controversy. But uh, they said, well, no, I think it's, it's a real thing. You know, it's a real thing. I was like, but John Hopkins said that it's a, uh, uh, a mental disorder. And they're like, what? And I'll pull up the article. Sam's like, so if John Hopkins is a reputable source and you're going to say that they did this study and this is reputable, then what you're saying is, you know, and I use that all the time for him. So John Hopkins is great for that. it <laughs> on their own petard, I guess. Huh? Yep. <laughs>
3: And just like that, Gordon, we got political. Right? <laughs> Sorry. We'll go back.
0: No. Yeah. No, I, I just You're I have avoided...
3: huh? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: I personally try to avoid being political on here but Yes. I, yes, I, I catch enough stop. I catch enough flack about it uh, on other stuff as is. <laughs> I don't need to add to it.
3: <laughs> At this point I'm like, yeah, um, I'm so sick of politics, it's not even funny. I, I can't, even look at, can't even look at Facebook anymore. It's just like everybody's just arguing about yeah. being, you know, it's like I'm done.
2: You know I, I miss the days, even just five years ago, when you could just ignore it if you wanted to, and you can't.
3: Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. And it's getting more pervasive. Mm-hmm. It's getting more heated. You know? People are getting more and more angry, and it's like, you know... I, Everybody needs to calm down and eat some fruit or something. You know?
2: Yeah. I have like, you know, relatives and friends and they typically skew older <laughs> And I know them to generally be, you know, reasonable people. And all I see them post is, you know, all caps, always yelling and like, man, just calm the fuck down.
3: And it's uh, it's funny because that's that's like 99% of the veteran community out there is just like. It's true. It's true. I've actually, I've
2: I've got, I've got a few friends who I I think have removed me on Facebook because I've been (laughs) like, man, just chill the fuck out. Like,
0: Uh, it's not the end of the world. I only talk about the real issues on when I'm on Facebook outside of the podcast, you know, like why the bears still suck and how Tom Brady's not the goat, but
2: you know, Uh, (laughs) I really want the bucks to win because you will have a fucking aneurysm. If Tom Brady knocks the Packers uh, out of the playoffs and I, I like, I, I want to get it on film.
3: Like that'll
0: be the epic addy rant. We're in the weeds. So, Dustin, let me ask you one last question. Fuck yeah. the Packers. Is there, <laughs> uh, if there's anyone listening that's looking to go into the military or maybe they're on their exit strategy now, what kind of advice would you offer them? <laughs>
1: Going into the military, join the Air Force or the Navy. Um, be smart. Use, use something, especially now because we're, I mean, we may not be in peacetime, but we're pretty peacetime. Uh, go get a career in something that you can actually use outside of the military. The infantry is a phenomenal career and you can talk a lot of shit to everybody, but real life applications are far and few in between outside of your normal leadership, stuff like that. Although, um, and just do it despite what anybody says too. I mean, do it for the right reasons. Don't just do it for school because you're going to get made fun of a lot. Um, for people transitioning, I was, uh, I was listening to a podcast but I just started listening to a podcast too recently, but, um, they were saying that you can't let the military define you as a person. And, and they talk about how it's hard because like I said, it's been a third of my life is in the military and it's been a huge part of my life, but you, you have to start thinking now, even before you're done, what are you going to do afterwards? You know? Is the military all I'm ever going to be? Are you going to be one of those guys that, and I'm not bashing him, but that walks around in his Iraq hat? You know, I'm an Iraq veteran and I'm a badass, hangs out at the VFW every day just because that's all he knows? Or are you going to be someone that can actually contribute to society because you took the time to develop as a person as well? Um, and yeah, you, I fall in
2: the ball. Get hung, you can't get hung up on it. No, uh, no you can't. My- My my daughters just had their first swim lesson yesterday. There was a guy there who walked in with, like you said, the Iraq hat, had a multi-cam backpack. He took his uh he took his (laughs) shirt off because you know, yet with the babies you have to get in with them. And he's got like a fucking OIF tattoo. He's got his (laughs) he's got his cab tattooed to his chest and it was oh my wife my wife had to hold me back from being like, Oh, how's your fucking crybaby appeasement badge, you son of a bitch? Right.
1: I mean, I got I got my I got an American flag here with a writer on it from my first deployment. I was young when I got it, but you know, now i rock things like like i'm a part unicorn (laughs) um i'm gonna get a tattoo of a unicorn on my thigh i think it's gonna be awesome you're uh, Um, you're
2: absolutely right there that you can't you can't get hung up on that for your entire life
3: one of the things too i've had to freaking tell people too is like you know just because you're a vet or because you serve doesn't make you a good person no god no Yeah, just because you're a vet, but there's this kind of weird, sometimes there's this like weird hero worship, you know, uh, Yeah, and you get it a lot, you know, it's like, because I'm, I'm, I won't name names, but you know. And there's guys out there, it's just like, you are not a good human being, you, you, know, yeah. you suck, you really do, you suck, you know, and but people would like, oh, well, he's a pet. <laughs> okay, he's a yeah, shitty pet. They, they, yeah. they do it,
2: but they, you know? they do it, they do it with uh, the military, they do it with cops. Like I, I don't know. Um, do you guys know who Andy Andy Stump is? He's yes. uh, yeah, a, was, a former 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 Navy SEAL, and he's one of the only ones I'll actually listen to because most of them are you know fucking idiots who enjoy their podcasts and their <laughs> book deals. But yeah. he was on he was on Joe Rogan, and he was talking. I think they were talking about one of the recent SEALs that was you know convicted of a war crime. And he's like, look, like people put us on a pedestal, but it's like any other community. Like you you got good people. And you got yep. some really fucking shitty people too. You, you got and like, fucking- you, you you can't give them a pass just because like, oh yeah, you you know they were a veteran, like they you know, they're they're automatically a great person. Like, no, a lot of them aren't.
0: Wow. And for people in my boat never served and maybe, you know, some people that did, I've been incredibly fortunate, you know, meeting, you know, Steve, we've known each other for way too fucking long. Josh getting to meet you through the show and talking to you, Dustin, and other guys are awesome. But on the flip side of that, there are some assholes and you just need to keep that in mind. And especially if you're an employer, that's one of the big things that, you know, I looked out for when I was self-employed and now interviewing for my corporate company. Okay, they served, but what's that look like and that's why you know a lot of companies oh. put those references on call them ask them if you can if they have a start, you know a command officer or an NCO on there, call them get a you know a, a third person opinion I'd say um,
1: Oh yeah, I I think our generation is really good. At least when I say our generation, like our, our war, the war on terror. I think our generation is very good at calling people out for that too. Like, you know, back Absolutely. in the day, they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't say. I mean, you wouldn't even think about saying a word to a Vietnam vet or a World War II vet. Like, you know, you're a shitty fucking person. If you got that hat on, I'm looking at you like, oh my god, dude, you're amazing. Um, I'm sure people in their generation did too. But at least with ours, we have a. a <laughs> a more public access available to us that we can really, you know, stolen valor, all that kind of stuff. Like we hold each other accountable all the time now. And if you're, if you're a veteran with a company and you want to claim your veteran owned company, you better not be afraid to have your dirty laundry hung out. Cause people mm-hmm. are going to come at you, you know, but so
0: I got, I got a good story I'll tell you once I stop recording here but I just want to say thanks again <laughs> Dustin for taking the time out of the day to be on the show appreciate it Josh yeah, thanks C, for thank having you me. guys for scheduling out with us for us and that's all folks we'll catch you next time Thank you again, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode of No Story Left Behind. Make sure to stay up to date with future guests and live recording dates by following the show on Facebook and Instagram at No Story Left Behind Podcast. And make sure you don't forget to check out my other show called Rules of the Arena. You can find that on Facebook and Instagram as well, both at Rules of the Arena Podcast. You can find both shows on YouTube. All you have to do is search Rules of the Arena Podcast and come hang out with us on Twitch during live recordings. Uh, Just head over to twitch.tv slash Rules of the Arena. And if you'd like to support the show, please make sure to leave review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And you can also click the link in the episode description. Head over to patreon.com slash rules of the arena, where I have a little tip jar set up there. And you can also check out the new merch store. Uh, I have the Axe and Hammer collection. It's available now for just a limited time, so make sure to check out soon. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, uh, if you have any comments, questions, or would like to be a sh- guest on the show, just go ahead and shoot me an email. Gordon at blindinigestudios.com and most importantly, if you're a veteran and you're in crisis or you're concerned about someone, connect with a veteran crisis line to reach a caring, qualified responder with the Department of Veteran Affairs. Many of them are veterans themselves. You can call Wayne 800 273 8255 or text 838 838- 255 to speak with a qualified caring VA responder available 24/7. And if you'd like to just talk to someone else that's not government, you feel more for, you're more than welcome to reach out to me. I would be happy to get you in touch with Josh or Steve or any of the resources that I have come to know through this show. Thank you everyone and we will catch you next time.